Hello and welcome. My name is Lily Richardson. I'm the Rx News Manager, and in case you haven't heard of Rx News, we're a subscription service from Rx, which covers publicly reported operational risk loss events in the financial sector from across the globe. Now, I'd like to introduce Fern, the Rx News Assistant Manager for Editorial. Thank you, Lily. Hello, and welcome to the ORX News podcast. In this month's episode, we'll take a brief look at March's top five largest losses, as well as a deep dive into the collapse of Credit Suisse and Silicon Valley Bank. With an operational risk perspective, we'll talk about risk culture, governance, the role of social media, and UBS's takeover of Credit Suisse. For SVB, we'll also look into market and interest rate issues and the possible changes to the regulatory landscape for smaller banks. For this podcast, I'm joined by new senior researcher Stanka and news researcher Joseph. Over to you, Joseph, for March's top five. Thanks, Fern. In fifth place, First Mortgage was forced to pay $31 million in March following accusations of fraud, fraudulent concealment, breach of contract and unjust enrichment from lender Caplock. March's fourth largest loss came in the form of an $80.5 million fine issued to Swedbank over its lack of internal controls for business-critical IT systems. The third largest loss was incurred by Wells Fargo, as the bank was forced to pay a total of $97.8 million to settle claims it facilitated trade finance transactions with US sanctioned jurisdictions and persons. The month's second largest loss was to Airbit Club. The US Department of Justice announced that six individuals have pleaded guilty to charges stemming from their involvement in Airbit Club, an international Ponzi scheme and money laundering operation that defrauded victims of approximately $100 million. March's largest loss was to cryptocurrency lending protocol Eula Finance. The firm had suffered a hack leading to a loss of around $197 million. On 18th March, the hacker returned $5.4 million, which constituted rapid recovery, leading to a loss amount of $191.6 million to EULA. Early in February 2023, Credit Suisse reported its biggest annual loss since the financial crisis in 2008. The loss of 1.4 billion Swiss francs in the last quarter of 2022 added to a long list of bad results and a slew of scandals which had plagued the former Swiss banking giant in the past few years. Some scandals were particularly damaging, eroding not only Credit Suisse's pockets but its reputation and ultimately led to its collapse. Essentially, 2021 was a terrible year for Credit Suisse. Disaster struck when Green Seals and Archegos collapsed, resulting in estimated losses of around $7.3 billion. In fact, Archegos alone was considered the biggest trading loss in Credit Suisse's history. Subsequently, S&P Global downgraded the bank's corporate debt rating to negative, stating that the losses may have indicated underlying deficiencies in Credit Suisse's risk management or an outsized risk appetite. The lead analyst for Switzerland at S&P Global said in an interview to the Financial Times that a credit loss of such magnitude to one single party does indeed highlight deficiencies in its risk management. Then, 
In October 2021, Credit Suisse's crisis deepened further with the tuna bond scandal, a case of internal fraud, bribery and corruption, which cost the bank a reported $675.2 million in fines by UK and US regulators. 2022 had barely started when in January, FINRA fined Credit Suisse Securities $9 million for failing to comply with consumer protection laws, including a failure to calculate its required customer reserves and for failing to issue accurate conflicts of interest disclosures in research reports. The failures were caused by several serious coding errors. Despite this being not one of the largest fines issued to Credit Suisse, external reporting failures further eroded trust in the bank. Then came the Swiss leaks. In February 2022, an anonymous whistleblower leaked documents which revealed the account details of 30,000 Credit Suisse current and former customers, some with links to criminality dating back to the 1940s. The clients in question included autocrats, drug dealers, suspected war criminals and human traffickers. Journalists identified potentially problematic accounts which held over $8 billion in assets and allegedly violated the 1997 Money Laundering Act. The Swiss leaks case was then followed by the LIBOR, CYBOR and SOAR manipulation allegations. Then another fine for laundering money for a Bulgarian drug cartel and the WhatsApp record-keeping failures, to name but a few events. Then, in the wake of the collapse of SVB on the 10th of March of 2023, FIMA announced that the Credit Suisse Group was experiencing a crisis of confidence, manifesting in considerable withdrawal of client funds. The regulator then stepped in as there was a risk of the bank becoming illiquid, even if it remained solvent, and it was necessary for the authorities to take action to prevent serious damage to the Swiss and international financial markets. In fact, it took just three days for the Swiss authorities to fast-track a $3.25 billion rescue plan for Credit Suisse, which was a takeover by its former main rival, UBS. Startup bank Silicon Valley was founded in 1983. However, the story of its collapse begins only a few short years ago. In 2018, Trump signed the Economic Growth Act into law, which liberalized regulations on mid-sized banks. SCB CEO Greg Becker was one of the main proponents of the act. Crucially, it abolished bank run capital stress testing requirements. In 2021, the Fed moved SVB from the regional to the large and foreign banking organization's portfolio, reflecting its larger risk profile, after the bank had tripled its asset size from $71 billion at the end of 2018 to $211 billion in 2022. This meant that it was subject to enhanced prudential standards, but not at the level of GSIBs, globally systemically important banks. Soon after, in November 2021, the San Francisco Fed issued six matters requiring attention or immediate attention, MRAs or MRIAs, related to the bank's liquidity stress testing, contingency funding, and liquidity risk management. In March 2022, the Fed started raising interest rates, leading to a depreciation of long-term fixed-rate bonds, which comprised a majority of SVB's portfolio. 
A month later, Chief Risk Officer Laura Izurieta seized her role. In May, supervisors again issued three findings related to ineffective risk management and downgraded SVB supervisory rating. By autumn 2022, they decided to meet with the bank's CFO to go over the issues, and in November 2022, they issued another MRA based on the inaccuracy of their interest rate risk modeling. Fed Vice Chair Michael Barr said that this was not at all aligned with reality. It's only in January 2023 that a new CRO, Kim Olson, joins SVB, but it appears to be too little too late. On the 8th of March, SVB posts a $1.8 billion loss on a sale of treasuries and bonds. A capital raise was announced but goes nowhere because by the 9th of March, the bank run had started. The next day, on the 10th, regulators took control of the bank. Now, the collapse has invariably been described as unexpected, a shock, a surprise, etc. But as mentioned, regulators had been consistently engaged with SVB about weaknesses in its risk and liquidity management since at least late 2021. To reiterate, the bank had had no CRO between April 2022 and January 2023, so for a full eight months. Risk culture at Credit Suisse is a widely reported issue. According to the FT, the bank allowed its commercial team to override its risk team, and that was at the core of its problems. Following the takeover, insiders said that the biggest concern within UBS was protecting its carefully restored values from what one senior figure at UBS described as a rancid culture in parts of Credit Suisse. Another senior figure at UBS said that the bank would assign personnel to go through Credit Suisse HR files looking for evidence of cultural slippage. They would prioritise identifying individuals who committed regulatory infractions, people who are heavily motivated by pay and are holding the firm to ransom, and those who were forgiven for past transgressions or dealt with softly. This behaviour would be rooted out, he said. It seems like SVB may have been dealing with similarly deep-rooted issues. This April, it's been reported that Olsen was already leaving SVB after only a few short months. We've already mentioned that the bank had had no CRO for eight months and did not address the issues identified by its supervisors. Part of this was that it invested three-quarters of its portfolio in long-term held-to-maturity treasuries and bonds, which are purchased in a time of near-zero interest rates. It appears that they didn't sufficiently hedge against potential interest rate increases, which came hard and fast starting in March 2022. They were riding the tech boom and were not prepared for deposits to slow down or for customers to start pulling their money out. In addition, those long-term securities were marked as sell-to-maturity on the balance sheet, so they were held at cost at the price that they were purchased, as opposed to available for sale securities, which have to be marked to market. Effectively, the bank postponed recognizing the losses incurred over 2022. In March, when they sold some of those securities, the losses all materialized at once and spooked depositors. This is something that a CRO should or could have foreseen. Current Credit Suisse chairman Alex Lehman said in an interview to the FT, and I quote, We as an organization should have had better monitoring and controls in place. Governance and risk management are critical and central for every financial institution. Lehman acknowledged that this was a very challenging situation and that the problems needed to be addressed on a systemic and organizational level. 
He added that changing the risk culture was a marathon, not a sprint. However, UBS chairman Cole Kelleher said during the takeover press conference that UBS would restrain Credit Suisse Investment Bank where the losses had escalated to align it with UBS's conservative risk culture. One thing that played a huge part in SVB's demise was social media. SVB saw outflows of $42 billion in a single day. This was undoubtedly the result of rumors and panic spreading on social media. Reportedly, Peter Thiel's Founders Fund was the first to urge its portfolio companies to withdraw deposits, and it seems like that opened the floodgates. Credit Suisse, on the other hand, managed to withstand the withdrawal of 111 billion Swiss francs in October 2022, following social media rumors that the bank was on the verge of bankruptcy. According to Reuters, some of the bank's wealth management clients became concerned about their turnaround plans and started moving funds. The concerns stemmed from Credit Suisse not being able to fund its reorganization without tapping investors. The rumors eventually pushed the bank's stock to record lows. In 2022 alone, the shares fell by 55%. This, coupled with a long list of events which had significant impact on the bank's reputation, ultimately led to its collapse. Global markets were in turmoil after US regulators had taken control of SVB. Rapid withdrawals were also happening at Credit Suisse. The bank was losing over 10 billion Swiss francs of clients' money daily. Then, on the 19th of March 2023, UBS announced its takeover of Credit Suisse, creating a combined business with over $5 trillion in total invested assets. Kelleher said in a press statement, and I quote, This acquisition is attractive for UBS shareholders, but let's be clear, as far as Credit Suisse is concerned, this is an emergency rescue. We have structured a transaction which will preserve the value left in the business while limiting our downside exposure. Acquiring Credit Suisse's capabilities in wealth, asset management and Swiss universal banking will augment UBS's strategy of growing its capital-light businesses. The transaction will bring benefits to clients and create long-term sustainable values for our investors. However, the risks of such high-profile and high-stakes acquisition cannot be underestimated and could bring new risks that will have to be managed carefully. Culture management, job losses, system integration and organizational structure reviews, we need careful navigation to name a few. The full impact of the takeover between the two largest banks in Switzerland will not be known for quite some time. But one difference between this crisis and 2008 is that Credit Suisse was not bailed out. This was a deal between two private companies. Additionally, Swiss authorities have reassured clients that they would not lose their money and that taxpayers would not have to contribute to rescuing Credit Suisse. And finally, to wrap up, we have to mention that there have been a lot of questions regarding the effectiveness of regulatory oversight following the SVB collapse. We may see changes in the oversight of small and medium-sized banks. There have been calls for a more tailored approach, as well as calls to increase deposit insurance limits. These are coming either from VCs and startups affected by SVB's collapse, or from other regional and smaller banks which have seen significant deposit outflows 
to the benefit of large too big to fail banks. Lastly, some are lobbying the Financial Accounting Standards Board to amend hedge accounting rules and adopt a fair value approach. This would have forced SVB to recognize unrealized losses on its balance sheet earlier. Thanks, Stanka, and thank you for listening. There are 89 stories about Credit Suisse in the ORX News database, covering operational risk events since 2012. Check out our latest in focus for further details about the collapse of Credit Suisse and SVB, including a timeline of events, which is available to new subscribers and members. Now over to you, Lily. I hope you enjoyed listening to this month's podcast. If you'd like to know more about the top five losses, then please visit the RX website, where you can find the top five losses for each month, as well as a range of up-risk reports and resources. You can also read the full digest for each of the stories discussed in this episode on the RX website. Just search rx.org. Join us next time to hear next month's top five losses. Thank you.